your throne from desert to the sea all nature testifies your splendor praise the lord praise the lord sing his greatness all creation praise the lord raise your voice you hides in all your depths from furthest east to west let everything that has breath Good evening, Mosaic. Isn't it awesome to be here tonight and uh, just worship? And um, we have a beautiful uh, song leader and worship leader here for us. And so I know you guys are so excited to be here and worship the Lord together. I am Jason McMahon. I am the global outreach director. Doesn't that sound like the kind of guy that would get a private airplane? 
to, to fly around in? I don't have one yet, so maybe one day. So to have that, how did I get there? A lot of you guys know the end of, end of or where I'm at in my story now, which is that we were a mosaic team that were sent out to Mali, Africa to work with Muslim people groups there. And so that's sort of the end of our story of and missions there. And so the beginning, let me tell you that because I think it'll be very interesting to a lot of you guys. And so I was a, a member of our, my family and we traveled around our town looking for the right church every Easter. I wonder if any of you are like this. And so on Easter, we'd go to a new church. Sometimes we'd go a second week. Sometimes we'd go a third week. But eventually we'd stop going to the church because we never became connected. And we never let community change our life. We never let the Holy Spirit speak into our life. And so we never became connected into a church until later when I was a young man, God convinced me that this was the church for us by getting me connected. And so I became connected at this church and I was invited to go to an event that allowed me to make friends, it allowed me to make community. And I thought, man, these people are pretty awesome to be around. These are the kind of people I'd like to be around. And so I came to that event and I heard the Holy Spirit speak to my heart he changed my heart forever. And so my eternity was changed. My present was changed. My future was changed. And I'm so grateful for that. And I know that for us, as we went to a new church every Easter and we'd fall off, we became embarrassed. We became ashamed of not being connected. And we lived in a small town and it was hard to switch churches all the time. And so for that might be some of your stories. And you may be past that. You may not be past that. I want you to know that this church, Mosaic, wants you to be connected. Why? Because the people in these seats won't change your life. This building won't change your life. Only a true encounter with Jesus Christ will change your life. But I will tell you that when you wrap yourself in community with people who love Jesus and you let these scriptures speak into your life, you can be changed forever. And so we wanna invite you tonight to be connected here, and we have a lot of ways to do that. So oftentimes we say, welcome tonight, and out in the center booth out there is people who would love to connect with you. Tonight, if you're not connected here, we are begging you, please get connected so that we can uh, enjoy community together. One way, if you're a guy, that you can get connected is through men's retreat that's coming up. So take a look at this video right here and let's see how you can get connected with Men's Retreat. So I first got involved with Mosaic Men's Retreat uh, a couple years after it had started. Me and a few guys from my community group decided to come and from there I've been coming every year since. It 
It's a time for uh, just gathering with the men in our church and making uh, new friendships, reconnecting old friendships, and just a good fellowship time. What I'd say to the guy that doesn't think they can take the time for a weekend away from home or work is you really can. It, and it's, it's an important time to get away and develop new friendships, developing a good relationship with the Lord. So men, that's when we can get connected. That is May 5th, 6th, and 7th, so it's coming up soon. If you want to, right now, take your phone out, use the QR code, and sign up right now. We have limited cabins for that event, and so we want you to be able to be in that, uh, if that, if that looks fun to you. But come on, like you saw the river, all those things, how can they go wrong on that? So that's a way you can get connected. Take your phone out and do that right now. Uh, if, you, if you have questions about it, you can go to Gordon Natzer, you can go to Jarrett McCullen, or the guy with the lovely beard, Jason Kanak, right there. They will be in the center booth after this is all over, and you can connect with them and ask them all of your questions, okay? So, we're so happy you're here tonight, and just want to welcome you. Let's, uh, let's pray for our offering time tonight as we uh, prepare our hearts to worship. Um, Jason, would you read this with me? I'd, I'd like for you to, to join in and help lead our church through this. Let's read this together. Oh, Father, Father giver, giver of all, all every, every good and perfect, perfect gift, gift comes, comes from you. We, we ask you to accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May they bring, bring shelter, shelter to the, to the homeless, homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the, the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you, you multiply, multiply the offering of fish and loaves, Multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We give freely and not under compulsion, for all we have is yours. Nothing we can give can match your great gift to us, your Son and your Spirit. Amen. Well, church, let's continue in our worship as we focus on a great God. In these first verses, they might, I, would, I just would ask that you would open your ears to the Spirit in this moment. The first verse says, you give life, you're love, you bring light to the darkness. You give hope, you restore. Is that you tonight? Are you found in some darkness, in a dark place? I know I am. I know my soul feels really dark and lost lately. And this song brings me great hope. So if you would, church, let's join in and sing this together about our God who is good, God who is great. Let's sing. response we see 
And we're here to celebrate the risen King. We're about to start a new series on the resurrection called Risen. So I just encourage you to process what does it look like for me to live in light of the risen Christ? How great the chasm that lays between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. And through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my
lift that up together, that chorus. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. And would you remain standing as we read the word of God tonight? Good evening, Mosaic family. My name is Jared McClellan, and I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. Um, God has orchestrated so many things in my brokenness of my life, and I'm grateful to be able to stand with you as a family tonight and honored to read the word of God with you. I've been here at Mosaic for 23 years and been blessed by this family in my life, and I'm grateful for the work of God and what he's doing in our lives. Amen to that, huh? Let's read Luke 24, 13 through 36. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus came up and walked alongside them. But they were kept from recognizing him, and they asked him, or he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces were downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. As Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this has taken place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but did not find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and just as it was the women had said that they did not see Jesus. And he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he had disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. 
There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, peace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Hey, Jerry, hold up a sec, man. Hold up a sec. <laughs> hey, uh, this man's helped me on my journey from the road to Emmaus. Uh, I was about an eighth grader, and I had a lot of knowledge of Jesus up here. And I didn't know how to translate the knowledge about Jesus up here to the knowledge of Jesus down here. Mm-hmm. And uh, from like eighth grade, kind of overweight, quirky, bowl cut Colin to like Mary trying to learn how to father and even be a minister of the gospel. I'm grateful for guys like this on the journey, aren't you? Yeah, thanks dude, thanks for reading. Oh, such a gift, that's a good brother. Uh, My name's Colin, it's good to be with you. If you're new, hi, Uh, this is where we come together on Saturdays, we like to worship Jesus and sit under his teaching together. And as Kyle said earlier, we're jumping into a new series and I cannot wait. Don't you love the gospels? Oh, like just getting into a gospel together and watching what it does to the the heart and the minds of followers of Jesus, I am excited. And in this series, this is where we're going. We're gonna be doing a couple of different movements throughout. Um, But go ahead, next one for me, Madeline. Thank you. Uh, Tonight, we'll be on the road to Emmaus and uh, the the next following weeks, these are some of the journeys we're gonna have looking at the resurrected Jesus coming in physical form, eating, like eating food, with his disciples. Um, and, and absolutely, there's, there's an apologetic bent towards this of proof of the resurrection of eyewitness accounts that, that he is risen indeed. But also there's some principles in each of these interactions that Jesus has that he's, he's teaching to his disciples. And one phrase that we would love for you in this series to get used to hearing is the risen Christ with us for the world. The risen Christ, he's with us. Isn't that good news? That he didn't just die and stay in a grave, that ain't no Messiah. No, he came back and he's revealed himself and he is with, he dwells with his followers. But it's not so we can just enjoy having some good food with Jesus and spending intimate time with God as if that was not enough. It's that he actually has purposes, as we'll see even when we get into week three with the Great Commission, that He actually is with us for the good of the world. He has purposes and plans with his new resurrection program. So I'm excited. I don't know about you. But before we get into the road to Emmaus, it'd be uh, dismissive of me if we didn't take a second to just greet one another. So, hey, if you haven't yet, stand up, see the people next to you, shake a hand, high five, meet somebody. Take a moment and greet the saints in the room with you. Beautiful. Hmm. Beautiful. And uh, tonight, as we enter into the first 
first story, I, I hope you can see that this is a story of the resurrected Christ who journeys with his disciples. I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey tonight. You might have stumbled into this church and you have no clue what we're talking about of a risen Jesus. And we're glad you're here because he has brought you here to journey with you. Or maybe you, you've been walking with Jesus for a long time in your journey and you are worn out and weary and burdened by religion. And he has really good news for you tonight that he's with you on this journey. And there's four things I'd love for us as we enter this passage and as we heard Jared read so well, four things I'd love for you to see. One is that the resurrected Christ, he walks with his disciples. He, he walks out of the tomb and then comes alongside them onto the road to Emmaus and he's physically resurrected, walking at the pace of love. Not only that, he's, he's teaching them, he's talking with them, he's having conversation like we are in this room tonight. Third, that he's revealing himself. This is a God who longs to be known and in and through the resurrected Christ, he's revealing himself to his disciples. But it doesn't stop there. He, he longs for his disciples to go and proclaim reality, truth, that he is risen. He's risen indeed. So let's go. Luke 24, follow along with me here now from the word of the Lord. A little bit of context before we get to the road to Emmaus. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stolen had been rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered it, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. So first off, we've already had an encounter here that Jesus is risen. And I love it that the 12 are actually, the ones who were there in the upper room breaking bread, Jesus gets crucified, they kind of all go into hiding. They're all in the house together. But who is it that's headed to the tomb to do the duties and take care of Jesus' body? Where are we at? The ladies, where are we at, ladies? Come on, the first ones to go take the proclamation out that Jesus, that we saw an angel and he's not there, the tomb is empty, it's the ladies. And Peter's like, I don't believe it, of course, Peter. And he runs to the tomb, right? And he gets there and they don't have the body of Jesus and so, hey, we have some news that's happening. Don't miss this, that before these disciples head to Emmaus, there's already news that something's going on on the third day. But these disciples, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. It means warm springs. About seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking to each other about everything that had just happened. Everything that has happened the Easter week, the Passover. Jesus coming into town on the donkey. The, the king is coming. Hosanna, Hosanna, we're taking over Rome. Oh no, they crucified our savior. I guess we're going to Emmaus now. They're, they're headed out. And so they're discussing it. But something fascinating here that I, I think Luke is trying to do in this gospel. Emmaus, seven miles away, backs towards what just took place, which means they're, they're headed out of Jerusalem and on to the next thing. And then in that space, look what happens. Now that same day, the two of them were going to that village, Emmaus, seven miles outside, talking about what everything that had happened, verse 15. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, who? Jesus himself came up and walked with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. A lot of fascinating things about why they don't recognize him here. Um, the scriptures don't explicitly say 
But there's a few things implied. Um, all throughout Luke's gospel so far, Jesus has told them, I will suffer, I will die, I will rise. I will suffer, I will die, I will rise. The Son of Man has come to be a servant for many. He will suffer, die, and rise. Where are these disciples heading? Waiting in Jerusalem for him to, to come back? No, headed to Emmaus because we don't know if he's coming back. So there's some layer where there's, there's some doubt involved in them not recognizing. Not only that, um, it, it's pretty evident that the disciples regularly throughout the Gospels don't fully understand what Jesus is teaching, don't they? They're a little hard-headed sometimes. And I don't know about you, but I can resonate with that. Because Jesus will give me something like, the greatest of you must be a slave to all. And I'm like, that was a hard teaching. <laughs> but also, I, I'm convinced that that they weren't really looking for Jesus to come back. They weren't really looking for a resurrected savior. I think what they were looking for was someone to overthrow the Roman Empire so that they could usher in the kingdom of God, right? But the guy that we thought was gonna be king is dead, so I guess we're headed to Emmaus. But even though what we see here is these are disciples who are walking next to the risen Christ and they see him, but they do not recognize him. You ever have those moments in your journey with Christ where you can see the work of God happening around you and we just give it over to chance or, or we begin to doubt, ah, maybe he's not got my back on this one. Maybe he's blessing others around me and he's walking with them, but nah, he's not walking with me. But regardless of whether they recognize him or not, this is the resurrected Christ who walks with us. Verse 17 and I love it. Jesus comes to them and, and he's talking with them. He asked them, what you guys talking about? <laughs> what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still and where were their faces? Downcast. See, the road to Emmaus apparently is a road that is filled with some tears, some frustration and some confusion. Backs towards the cross Eyes down, headed outside of Jerusalem. Hmm. And imagine, I mean, it makes sense. They gave everything to follow Jesus, right? Like, we don't know a lot about these disciples. I also love that some of the first disciples Jesus comes to aren't like the primary ones who were up on the mountaintop seeing him. No, these are, this is Cleopas. They were like, we, we never even heard of Cleopas before. And then the other one doesn't even get named. But he comes to these disciples and and they've given everything to follow him. They've left home, they've left job, they've left occupation, they've, they've gone and done and, and taken on his yoke and his teaching and lived it out, and now not only their teacher and master, but their friend has been brutally murdered. And so they're downcast, their faces are down. This is a moment of pain and confusion for them. And there are many ways which we come to the end of our rope in our journey with Christ, isn't there? We get stuck in illness, maybe the loss of a loved one, a person who doesn't love us. We struggle in relationships with chronic pain. We wrestle with despairing darkness and brokenness or addiction that we just cannot seem to muster up enough to get over you ever been in that space where your eyes, you just, you can't seem to pick them up and they're just downcast? 
Yet for these disciples, it's these painful moments. It's actually in this confusion and in this frustration that the resurrected Christ comes and walks with them. And Jesus said, oh, and Cleopas said, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't have a clue what's happening in these days? Like, you're right outside of Jerusalem and you didn't hear about everything that just went down? The temple was torn in two, bro. (laughs) Like, there was a whole party for this guy that we thought was ushering in the kingdom of God and then there was a riot between the religious leaders and Rome and they crucified him. You don't know what's going on? You don't know the things that have happened here and Jesus says, what things? I love how curious God is when he comes to broken, discouraged sinners. Isn't that true all the way across the scriptures? Think about it. Even in the garden, Adam and Eve have just welcomed sin and evil and brokenness into the world. And what does God do? Where are you? What happened? Who told you that? Hagar, a a girl that's been brought into what's supposed to be the founding father family of faith and has been not working out well. And now she's kicked out into the desert and she's out on her own. And God comes to her and says, Where did you come from and where are you going? I love this, that Jesus, the resurrected Christ, comes to discourage disciples, not with judgment and suck it up, buttercup, but with questions. What things? Tell me. Well, the disciples, and they play their cards. Look at me, verse 19. He asked them what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, Notice here how they describe Jesus of Nazareth. The resurrected Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, walking right next to them. Look at what they say about him. He was a prophet. Did they say Messiah? Did they say Redeemer? Did they say King? Notice what tense did they use? Past. I don't think they're, they're looking for him coming back. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. Powerful prophet. That's their perception of who Jesus of Nazareth was, not who he is. The chief priests and our rulers, our religious leaders, as well as the Roman authorities over us, well, they handed him over and he was sentenced to death. And they crucified him. Crucifixion being, um, this is for the, the greatest threats and murderers to the Roman Empire. This is reserved for those who are killing people and those who are revolting and trying to overthrow Rome. And so here we have a a, a prophet that was powerful, but he was apparently just a failed revolutionary because they crucified him. And here they play their cards. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place place we had hoped he was our redeemer you know where that word redeem redeemer is first used in the scriptures it's in the book of exodus where you have israel living enslaved to a a wicked ruler in, in a different foreign kingdom known as egypt and god is going to step in and redeem them that is to set them free from the oppressive leadership of a foreign ruler and call them as his own. And if you follow the story of how God redeems Israel, he sends in a prophet named Moses. And that prophet comes in and he does mighty, powerful works, and it crushes 
Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And so here, these disciples, they, they were hoping that this Jesus was coming in to do the same thing, to lead us out of slavery to Rome and to crush Caesar and bring us into the promised land, to usher in the kingdom of God. They're letting us know a little bit about their perception of who they thought Jesus was. See, because what our perception about something or someone is determines the reality and within which we live. Their perception of Jesus was that he was to come in as a mighty prophet, that he was gonna step in and bust some heads in the Roman Empire and straighten up the religious leaders in Israel and bring in the kingdom of God. But he didn't do that. He died. He didn't kill his enemies. His enemies killed him. And we see something here for the disciples that the, the cross is not actually a victory for them. It's, it's a defeat. I wonder what perceptions we have about Jesus today. I wonder what's informing our perceptions about Jesus. Like, what do you think Jesus is like? Because A.W. Tozer would say that the most important thing that comes to mind in a person is what comes to mind when they think about God. How do you perceive Jesus of Nazareth? Because how you perceive Jesus of Nazareth, not just as a follower of Jesus, but as a human, will determine what you think about Jesus yourself in the world. So I did a little bit of searching on the internet. Would you like to see how somebody in this day and age perceives Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth? Get ready for it. Here it comes. No joke, this is a port, you can Google it. Portraits of Jesus. This is somebody's perception of Jesus. Now, I am no scholar in art or, or first century paintings or anything like that. I don't think that he had blue eyes. I'm just gonna like go out on a limb. Like, I, I'm not an expert, but I'm pretty sure that this perception of Jesus is not the risen Christ walking next to these disciples on Emmaus. Amen? Y'all follow me there? And I, I can't help but wonder. I mean, again, our perceptions influence how we see reality. So how we perceive Jesus determines how we live, how we view the world, what, what, how we function and operate as human beings. And I can't help but wonder, like, what was happening for this artist? Nothing against the artist. They did a wonderful job. But... What was their perception? Where are they drawing this perception of Jesus from? Like, I don't think this is like first century Middle East Hebrew culture Jesus. You follow? What I think I have here is a perception of Jesus of Nazareth um, that is most incredibly, most certainly not Jewish. <laughs> it's definitely probably not from Nazareth just because of the blue eyes. This gorgeous hunk of a model from the West Coast Beach Boy Jesus. I, I think this is a pretty misunderstood man of sorrows, don't you? And what does this Jesus, this version, this perception of the Messiah mean for my reality? Is it forming me? How is it forming me? And how I live and function in the world. And, and what I think is happening here, friends, is I think this is a Jesus who's been drawn and thought up in a culture where the preference is on looking good rather than being good. 
<laughs> right? Like we love to polish ourselves up. Everybody smile for the picture and look as pretty as you can because that makes it, again, perception, that makes it seem like everything in here is fine. And isn't that the lie of our age that you can look good without being good? I mean, how many more story after story after story of moral failure of a leader and a Messiah figure in our culture can we take? How many more even evangelical leaders do we have to see who proclaim truth but don't have it in here? Because they had a perception of a Messiah, just like these disciples to Emmaus. It was just enough off that they missed out on what we call at fellowship, the authentic Christ. Can I show you another, and I would argue more accurate, portrait of Jesus of Nazareth? Check this one out. We don't know the exact date, somewhere between 50 BC to late second century. Um, this was found etched into a plaster wall. This is graffiti in uh, Palatine Hill, Rome, Rome, Italy. It's actually still, if you go to, to Italy today, if you go to Rome, me and my wife are going, whoop, whoop, uh, you can go to Palatine Museum and see this that's been taken. And if you notice, well, what we have is a man. And what is that man on? Cross. And if you look at his head, he has the head of a donkey, which is what did Jesus ride into town into Nazareth? Donkey. A donkey was also if military leaders and kings don't come riding in on donkeys, they come riding in on war horses. This is a king who comes to bring peace. And how does he bring peace? He dies on a cross. And then I love the, whoever the artist was uh, is actually making fun of the man he drew in the picture. Because you see, the man in the picture is Worshiping in the Greek letters there, what it spells out is Alexamenos worshiping his God. Doesn't this look like a more accurate portrait of Jesus of Nazareth? Uh, the King of Kings and, and Messiah and Redeemer who comes not just to crush his enemies, but to die for them. He comes not bringing the sword, but he takes the sword upon himself out of self-giving sacrificial love. And even John the Baptist, I mean, he hits it on the nail when he announces, here comes the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. Leslie Newbigin, he spent 40 years in India planting churches and making disciples, and he came back to England to retire. And when he came back to England to retire, he saw that the entire Western landscape had changed. And he realized, I guess I'm gonna have to be a missionary to England and the West now. And he walked back into the church where he grew up, and they were denouncing the resurrection. They said that, that Jesus, it's just stories, it's, it's made up. Meaningful for your feels, but not accurate. And this is what Leslie said. He said, the resurrection is the revelation to chosen witnesses of the fact that Jesus who died on the cross is indeed king, conqueror of death and sin, Lord and savior of all. Listen carefully. The resurrection is not the reversal of defeat, but the proclamation of a victory because the king reigns from a tree. The reign of God has indeed come upon us and it's a sign, is not a golden throne, but a wooden cross. And the disciples on the road to Emmaus, back to the cross, missing out on the sign of the victor. The victor comes 
and he walks with them. And it points to us something very, very significant. It leaves us with a key question. Oh, no, and then he teaches. <laughs> so he, he comes and he walks with his disciples, and then he teaches his disciples. And this is what he says. How foolish are you? Again, a, a fool in the scripture is somebody who doesn't understand what God is up to in the world. How foolish are you and slow to believe all the prophets have spoken? Did not the Messiah have to do what? Suffer. Suffer, a suffering servant. Remember the prophet Isaiah? He, he would come and he would suffer first and then enter his glory. And beginning with Moses all the way to the prophets, he began to explain to them all that was said in the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus comes, he walks with his downcast disciples and what is his next thing? He asks them questions and then he corrects them with what? Scripture. And it tells us and teaches us something very, very important that we have to understand is that the entire narrative of scripture and Jesus here, New Testament is even written. This is Old Testament. All of scripture points to this reality that it centers on Jesus. From the garden where the snake crusher will come and his, his heel's gonna get bruised, but he's gonna crush the head of that enemy. It points to him. I, I love it. You could see that the Old Testament, it points to the anticipation of the king. The gospels, his manifestation, acts, the proclamation, epistles, explanation, and then finally at the end, revelation brings in the consummation of his king and kingdom. All 66 books, one unified story pointing to the fact that the Redeemer has come and died on a tree to welcome all nations, tribes, and tongues into eternal life with him. He told the religious leaders one time in John that you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to Jesus, to me. Yet you refuse to come to them to receive this life. key question I think every follower of Jesus in every age has to ask is will our identity, our patterns, our habits, our beliefs, our, our form of reality, our view of Jesus, will it be shaped by the biblical story, by God's word, or will it be shaped by fill in the blank? Our social media, the news we watch, someone else's opinions about who Jesus is, What story are you finding yourself living in? When you think about your current circumstances, what is God up to in them? And that, that really will determine who is defining your identity and patterns in your life. One of my favorite theologians and friends, Scott Jones, he works with our student ministry. He said, one question he loves to ask, he says, are you submitting to God's word or are you bending God's word to submit to you? Don't we see that all across the church lately? Where we're not just taking in and soaking in God's teaching, listening and receiving and then living it out. We're taking it and we're arguing over it and we're twisting it to match our desires, not God's. But, but for a follower of Jesus, the, the scriptures are essential to knowing and expressing who he is in this world. So Jesus walks with his disciples Ask him some good questions. Jesus teaches, I mean, amazing Bible study. Could you imagine that Bible study? Walking to amazes, in, um, Moses to the prophets. I mean, oh my goodness. 
And then he reveals himself. Look at this. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he's going far. I love this, that Jesus is just like, oh, no, 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 I have to keep, I gotta keep going. I have, I have other places to go. They still don't recognize him. But they urged him strongly, no, stay, stay, stay. Jesus, they don't know who he is, but stay with us. That Bible study was awesome. I've never heard the teachings of the scripture like that. They've heard it before. That's literally what he did for three years. Stay with us. It's nearly evening. The day's almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. And when he went in, there was a table. Notice, he's sitting at a table with his disciples. And he took the bread. I think this is hilarious that Jesus, it doesn't matter who house he's in, he's, he's the host. <laughs> he, not they take the bread and bless it. Jesus takes the bread and he gives thanks for it. And then he broke it and gave it to them. Come on. When was the last time that Jesus sat at a table with his disciples, took some bread, broke it, and extended it to them? This is the Passover meal, right? Like this is what he said, the Passover meal that Israel is wanting to be out of Egyptian slavery. And so what they're looking for is God to come in. And what God says is to take a Passover lamb and put it over your door and you will be redeemed. And they realize it's Jesus. He's the Passover lamb. His body was broken. His blood was shed. And now I'm redeemed. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And I love this. Check out the resurrected Jesus. And he disappeared from sight. Get used to that in the risen series where it's like Jesus is hanging out, blah, 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 boom. It's like, whoa, <laughs> we thought it was a ghost. He, he does that. Just get ready for it. But I love this because they're looking for, we thought he was the redeemer. Remember, what was it that set Israel free? It was the blood of the lamb. And here's the lamb of God broken and now ready to reign and risen as king. And the, the, the response, look, notice now that the disciples, as Jesus reveals himself to them, they say, were not our hearts burning? Did we not have a deep desire and passion within us while he talked with us on the road and revealed scripture to us? Because they have a whole new reality now. They recognize this is the risen Christ. He's risen and then they have this burning heart and passion and desire. Why? Because the risen Christ walked with them. There was an awareness of God's presence in their life. And the risen Christ, he, he talked with them. There was communication, ongoing conversation. And also there was teaching. He, he taught them in the scriptures. He revealed himself. So friends, as followers of Jesus today, how do we encounter the risen Christ? Well, we... We practice the presence. We have an awareness that God is with us, Emmanuel. We pray and we commune and, and enjoy union and conversation with God. And then we study and seek the scriptures to allow it to form us, to know him and make him known. Because for the follower of Jesus, time spent with the triune God, it's never wasted. Time spent with the triune God in prayer and scripture, it is essential for us to know and express the authentic Christ, not blue-eyed fake Jesus that someone drew. 
the authentic risen Christ. It's going to take us spending time with him. And then the disciples don't stop there. Notice they they proclaim truth. They got up and returned at once. Remind you, seven miles, they just walked all day, and now they're hauling back to Jerusalem. What once was back to the cross, now face forward. And they go, and they found the other 11 disciples and those assembled together and said, it is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told them what had happened on the way and how their Jesus recognized by them when he broke the bread. And while they're still talking about this, here he comes, get ready. Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. Peace, not the sword, not let's go take over Rome, not we're here to cause blood, riots, and violence. Peace. In these encounters with the resurrected Christ, it, it transformed these disciples forever, forever. And so to, to land the plane, I think there's a, a couple of things that, that we have to realize tonight. First, the resurrected Christ walks with us. Now, he doesn't physically come up. We'll learn that in the ascension when we get there, but he has sent his Holy Spirit that dwells with us. He calls it his paraclete, his helper, his protector, that he says now dwells within those who follow Jesus. Are you aware of God being with you on the moment by moment, day by day? Two, did you know that the resurrected Christ teaches us that we, as we sit and we, we reflect and slowly go through God's word, the resurrected Christ reveals himself to us. But we don't wanna just be a bunch of contemplative mosaic monks that like pray a lot and like enjoy his presence. No, we actually have a purpose that we can get out and be a community whose hearts are so on fire for Jesus that we pray regularly, we spend time in the scriptures, we enjoy time with God and then we go and proclaim truth. We tell of the good news that he is risen. And so tonight, um, if you're not following the risen Christ, I'd love to extend the invitation for you. And it's his way of coming to you on the journey you are on and trusting that everything he just taught us is true and saying, yep, I'll, I'll believe that. Jesus is Lord and I'm gonna spend eternity enjoying unity with him because of what he did for me on the cross and his resurrection of invitation to new life. And for my brothers and sisters, wherever you find yourself on the journey, could we take a moment now just to enjoy and remind ourselves that the risen Christ is with us. And in the same way that those disciples on Emmaus, they had that burning passion for him to go and proclaim it. Could we sing out these songs and take it out to Northwest Arkansas? That Jesus is Lord, he's alive and active, and he longs for friendship and union with those in our cities. Would you pray with me? We'll, uh, come, gracious Father. Come, risen Lord and friend Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. May your followers in this room have a burning heart and a passion for your kingdom, not ours. For my journey and sojourner who's been doing it alone without you, Lord, 
May they receive your invitation to journey with you as the resurrected Christ who came, who paid for the sins of the world, including theirs, and has risen to new life and invites them to do the same. In your beautiful name, we worship you. song we could ever sing, worthy of all the praise we could ever bring, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you.
take a moment to sit with the Lord. Just process what might he be saying to you in light of what you've heard tonight. Would you take a moment to be with him? just want to sing this chorus of this song that encourages us to keep in step with him and to stay close with him. So let's sing this chorus. Because you're the way, the truth, and life. You're the well that never runs dry. I'm the branch and you are the vine. Draw me close and teach me to abide. Be my strength, my song in the night. Be my all, my treasure, my prize. I am yours forever. Draw me close and teach me to Abide. Sing that one more time. The truth and life. You're the well that never runs dry. I'm the branch and you are the vine. Draw me close and teach me to abide. Be my strength, my song in the night. Be my all, my treasure, my pride. I am yours forever, your mind. Draw me close and teach me to abide. Father, in light of your resurrection, Lord, the risen King, Lord, the one who's able to still teach us when we don't quite understand one who we welcome in and you sit with us at the table. You teach us, Father. Lord, may we walk by the way of your spirit this week in the joy of the resurrection, the joy of you rising from the grave, Lord, because it means you are who you say you are, a king, a king that's close, a king that knows us. So we love you, God. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Church, if you'd like prayer, uh, we'll have some boxes in the back for you to write prayer requests. We'll also have our prayer room open with communion. If you'd like to take communion tonight, um, just come find a leader if it runs out. Uh, take your time doing whatever you need to do with that. And we'd love to connect with you in the info booth. If you're new here or coming from last week, please come find one of our, our staff. Let's go in peace to love and serve the Lord and the people said. See you next week, church. Have a good one. Win my